0: A number of years ago, Lois had sponsored a ladies' Christmas tea or something, and uh, she was hurrying around, getting ready for the ladies' Christmas tea. At the time, our church met in the Grange Hall. We started this little church, and we found this Grange Hall out in the country. This is a quaint place for our church to meet, and the ladies can move the chairs around and create a little place there for that. And... She said to me she wanted me to go to a craft shop that she had been to, and she found some mix for, for uh, spiced uh, apple cider punch with sale or something like that. And she remembered that this was in this shop on the square, and she asked me if I would go get it because she was busy with all those things, those preparations, and I said that I would and because I'm always a good guy in my stories that I tell publicly, <laughs> And anyway, so um, I said, "Sure, I, I get that." And it was kind of neat to go in the shop anyway, because it was filled with beautiful things and lights and Christmas and smells that were beautiful. And I bought this stuff and bantered with the ladies that were there a little bit. And they, and the music in the store was really pretty. And I, I mentioned, "Boy, that's really beautiful music." And they said, "Well, that's a tape that we sell." I said, "Well, I think I'd like to buy that tape. That was way back in the dark ages when music was on these little tapes." And, you don't understand that, you know. And so I, I, I got the tape, and I put it in my car, and and I was driving out to the church, out through the countryside. It was a beautiful day, and the sun was out, and now I had that new tape in my car, and the car smelled nice. And I was listening to Christmas music, and I, I got overwhelmed with the sense of what Christmas is about and how privileged I am to understand the gospel and Christmas and how much I love Christmas, and even to the point of tears. Do you ever have a moment like that? Around Christmas time, we're just like, man, I'm glad that I'm a Christian. I'm glad that I know the Lord, and I'm glad that I celebrate Christmas. And I I think God wants you to, I think God wants Christmas to touch you too. I think he wants the gospel to touch you in a fresh way all the time. I think he did what he did through Mary, for Mary, and for thousands, and for millions of other people that would come after Mary. And we're talking about Mary because it's what we were talking about this morning in our text. Our treasured text from the Gospel of Luke was that Gabriel's angelic announcement to Mary. But you'll notice that we stopped after the five-fold description of Mary's baby. And we didn't talk any more about that. But we want to talk a little bit more tonight about the rest of that exchange that, that Mary had because she did listen intently and the, and the angel Gabriel gave her description of who Jesus was. And, but then she had some questions for the angel. How would you like to have a meeting with an angel Gabriel that stands in the presence of the Lord and ask him a few questions? Wouldn't that be Something. And that's what she does. Take your Bibles tonight and open them to Luke chapter 1, which is precious to all of us who love Christ and who love Christmas. And we'll read here again Christ's birth announcement to Mary uh, through the angel Gabriel in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And we're going to go down and through verse 38. But our text tonight is verse 37, Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. That's going to be our text. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37 is our text. And the, and the title of the message, if you're a title person and you like titles, here's the title of the message. And if you like this title, you can use it. And if you don't, you can make up your own title to the message. But here's my title, Preparing Your Heart for What Only God Can Do. Preparing Your Heart for what only God can do in the text, verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Well, let's read the whole whole text because this is the treasured Christmas text and we want to take Linus' advice and turn the lights down and get quiet and just read the Bible. Well, we can leave the lights up tonight, but you know what I'm saying. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was, when the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. That's the end of what the angel says and Mary says to him in verse 34. Mary says to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, who has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Heavenly Father, tonight as we Just contemplate just this little beautiful jewel of a text here in verse 37. I pray that it would find a home in the hearts of each person who's gathered here tonight and that it would help us prepare our hearts for what only you can do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So when you think here now of the miracle that happened through Mary, you need to know that what God did for Mary, He did so that He could do miracles in each of us. What is salvation? It's nothing less than a miracle that God had to do in us. And what is sanctification or growing more like the Lord, which we're all supposed to be doing all the time, but a series of divine miracles wrought by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. He wants to implant life in us and do miraculous things in us and with us and through us. That's true. And this is the very character, the nature of God. What I like to think is that this month, actually it's next month, but in Advent season that that we'll each take time to frequently spend peaceful time with the Lord. And that you'll consider what He's done for you. And that you will really kind of baptize all your Christmas activities. You will Christianize your Christmas. You know, you'll, you'll take all your Christmas activities and all your December activities... And you'll take them and you'll make them acts of worship and thoughtful contemplative acts and kindness is done for the Lord and and that you'll come to the end of this season without maybe such a a feeling of being overwhelmed with things, but rather that you really had an opportunity to meet with the Lord and that God will do something in you, with you, and through you and that you'll even recognize God's power to do things that maybe you didn't have faith to believe in before. Whatever God has chosen to do, He can do in you if you'll yield to Him. Those are just some of the things that the Bible says about God's power. In Genesis 18 and verse 14, it says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? In Job 42, 1 and 2, Job answers the Lord and he says, I know that you can do everything. In Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, Oh Lord God, there is nothing too hard for you. In Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Just think about whatever it is that you think ought to happen, and you think God thinks ought to happen, and it would be a good thing to happen. The conversion of a loved one, the restoration of a, of a, a family member, a, a healing, a, a need that, that you have, a financial uh, concern, a, a concern I hope you carry on your heart for the church. And you think, I, I just, I've tried my hardest, but I can't do it. But it's, it's God who can do anything with with God all things are possible Matthew 19:26 Mark 10:27 of course the text tonight in Luke and then in Luke 18:27 the things which are impossible with men are possible with God and then I like this one from Revelation 19 and verse 8 for the Lord God omnipotent Reigns. God is all-powerful. So this is what the Bible says about God. There's no one more powerful, no force, no being more powerful. When I was in at Moody Bible Institute, it was in 1977. There was a popular movie out at the time I've never seen, and I'm never going to see because I like to say I've never seen it. And um, in, the, in this popular movie, um, they, they, it, the, the, there was a force, and, and people would say, may the force be with you. I remember I was on the street with my roommate and a guy got stuck and we pushed him out. And you could tell there was, it was around Christmas time and he was stuck in the snow and we pushed him out. And I remember him getting out of his car and looking back and saying, may the force be with you. And I'm like, he is, he, he is, um, and, and he is the force. There is no force greater than God. There is nothing that God cannot do. And there's nothing that he can't do for you that he wants to do in you. So what you want to do is identify, what does God want to do in me? Even if it seems unlikely, even if it seems impossible. Most of what we need, think about this, most of what we really, really need, only God can do. Right? We've said that often. It's another way of saying the same thing. Most of what we really need, only God can do. Most of what your family really needs, what you really need, only God can do. You, you know how it is, you, the older you get, the more you realize you can't force people to do things that you know they ought to do. You can't force people to believe things that you know they ought to believe. It's just going to take a, a miracle for God to do what only He can do. And the things that we need, the changes of character or the restoration of love, when our marital help or physical healing or health or family harmony, the, that you know, the things that we don't have, that' so grievous, are like the mess in Ferguson that everybody's so upset about. And it's gotta lay heavy on our heart as a as a nation uh and all and all those kinds of things political wranglings and hatred and all of that you know who can untangle that? Do you have a lot of confidence that there's gonna be a politician that pops on the scene and now suddenly everybody's gonna agree and sing hippie songs and sway back and forth? I don't think so. That might be a little scary anyway, right? But only God can do that, and He will. I remember one morning getting up early in the morning, and I had this prayer a number of years ago, and I prayed it often because there was an area of my life I would journal about it. It's just unyielding, you know. I've had a number of areas in my life that's just been unyielding, you know, persistent sins that just keep plaguing me. And and, I, and as a younger man, I would think, this is something I don't know if I'll ever overcome because I keep praying about this, and I keep saying it over and over to God, and I keep having this sinful problem. And there's a numbers of them. And I don't know, you're looking at me like, I wonder what that, that sinful problem was. Like, I'm not telling you. You're not nice. I'm just kidding. Uh. I, I, yeah, I, but, you know, my wife said I'm not allowed to say these things, so um, so I'm not telling you. But, you know, right, but you have that stuff too. If you don't think so, talk to me. I'll help you. I'm your pastor. I'll point a few things out to you. And, 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 and it won't take me long to probe around among the people that are dear to you to find out the kinds of things that you what your besetting sins are. You know, we think we have them hidden away pretty well, but we don't. Every single one of us has them. And they are unyielding and stubborn and impossible. All right. And yet, God, God can touch those areas, and over time, and I'm sure I can get a witness here that God can set us free from sinful. From sinful bondages, and 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 over the years, I remember going to a conference one time in Texas, and wanting to help the people that I was speaking to, and I decided that I was going to have a very candid talk about five different areas of my life where I just thought would would be unyielding things that were hard and sinful and shameful and besetting and unyielding, and God's given me victory in these areas of my life, and and being able to tell a big bunch of people at a conference, and I remember at that big conference. uh, a father and a son coming forward and just sobbing and weeping. And, you know, God set them free. I remember just kneeling down with this dad and his boy who were who had, you know, been apart. And just weeping and sobbing and praying and seeing the Lord. God can do stuff that we can't do. And, and so we want to prepare our hearts for God to do what only He can do. I got up one morning. And I thought about this unyielding problem and this difficulty. And I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, I will never overcome this problem. I've tried and prayed and tried, and I will never overcome this problem. I felt so defeated. And I remember a fellow telling me one time, when you feel like it's impossible, that's when you cry out to God to do what only God can do. And I remember burying my face in a towel and crying. And crying out to God, God, would you help me? Would you deliver me? And he did. And he did. And he can deliver us over and over. So, But we want to prepare our hearts. And I, I believe with all of my heart, though the Bible's information about Mary is sparse, I believe that Mary prepared her heart. We have hints that Mary's heart was a prepared heart. And that she found, she, God gave her his favor is a grace and unmerited, and yet at the same time, there are qualities in her life that you can see that are true about Mary, that we should admire about her and that we should we should mimic like any good Christian. And the godly Christian, and so I want to suggest to them there are four or five of them tonight. The first one is this: quiet your soul to prepare your heart for what only God can do. First, quiet your soul. Isn't that important? And this is great preparation in Advent. Quiet your soul. I know you're thinking about all the people you want to buy for and all the wonderful things you want to make, and we're so grateful that you do that. Bless your heart. But quiet your soul. Nobody ever really hears from the Lord without listening, right? You got to listen. So turn the radio off or. You know, unless you're listening to some beautiful carols or something, you know, quiet. Get in a quiet spot in the house or a quiet chair, or, or get, just take a deep breath, block out some time, and, and quiet your soul. It's very, very simple. You, you, we're preparing. It's his Advent. We're preparing for the Christ to come again and again and again to us, and do what only He can do, and give what only He can give, and bring what only He can bring. Isn't that beautiful? And so we say to him, Lord, I'm waiting for you. I'm trusting you. I'm quiet. I'm peaceful. My soul is calm. My soul is peaceful and quiet. What was Mary doing, do you think, when the angel came to her? I don't know why it is. I think she, I was thinking. I imagine she's cooking. <laughs> what, girls should do that. Amen? Yeah. I imagine she's cooking. I don't know. She could have been cleaning. She could have been singing. She could have been praying. What was she doing? It doesn't say. She's in her house. And she was quiet. At first, she doesn't talk. She just listens. Me, I'm a talker. I go to God. God, I have a few things to tell you. As if he needs to know stuff that he doesn't know. Can you imagine? I think he loves me. I think he likes to hear me talk. But also have to remind myself I don't need to talk and keep talking to impress him or, or, to, or to get him to love me. I can just listen and I can observe and I can be quiet. And that's a huge part. Don't you think that's a huge part of preparing your soul for what only God can do is to quiet? Wesley called a few weeks ago and he said, Dad, are we going to do the luminaries at church this year? And I said, I don't know. You know, it's a lot of work. He said, I would be happy to do that. I said, I'm sure the people would be happy if you did it. The luminaries are a tradition from the Southwest that really are an Advent tradition, right? They're to light the way for the Christ child. The idea is it's a, it's a way to say, I heard you're coming and I'm putting out the light for you. I'm preparing my heart. I'm waiting. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While in others thou art calling, do not pass me by. That's what we're saying in Advent. Lord, I, I need to hear from you. Lois was reading Oswald Chambers a number of years ago and was really enjoying Oswald Chambers. It was kind of cute. She'd be in bed, listen to this, she would tell me. And then she'd read a passage. Listen to this, and she'd read a passage. And it was just, God was using it in her life. And I was preaching in a little church in, southern, in central Illinois, and Oswald Chambers on that day or that weekend had said something about watching kind of for God's sightings. Is that how you remember it? Something like that. God shows up if you watch for him, you know. And I had a meeting with the men of the church down in the basement. So I went down the basement, and I conferred with these guys and gave them some counsel, which they took, and it, that's another story that's amazing. But I got up, went upstairs, and Lois got in the car, and then we drove away from the church, and we were going to dinner, and she said, God showed up. And I'm like, oh, she loved my message, you know. She goes, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. When you were down in the basement, (laughs) there I had a God sighting. And if I recall what it was, there was a fella who was um, just kind kind of a mentally challenged kid. And there was a guy in the church that was working with him to sing a solo. And he just real patiently worked with him to sing the solo. And Lois was just sitting there watching it. And she said, God showed up. I think God shows up all the time and we don't see it. And so at Christmas time, to do Christmas right, wouldn't it be great to say, God, I'm watching for you to show up. I'm going to be quiet. Quiet your heart. Put out the luminaries. Wait for the Christ child to speak, to show up. The second thing, humble yourself. This is what Mary did. Humble yourself. Mary in her song of praise that she gives a little bit later. On a, on a number of places, it's very clear that she humbles herself. Look in chapter 1, verse 48. You know, my soul magnifies the Lord. But verse 48, he's regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. You know, Mary wasn't like, it's about time God gave me what I deserve. Or I have worked hard for this. You know, you don't, you don't, this, nothing in Mary's vocabulary was like, you know, like she had merit. It's like he's regarded the lowly state. He saw that I was needy. Isn't that great? He saw that I was needy. I mean, isn't it interesting, Pastor Stephen? How everybody loves that song. Lord, I need you. It's a kind of a rework of uh, "I need you every hour," but we don't we love singing that at the end of the service. The other Sunday, we were singing that. Everybody's hands were up. And we we're just singing. I'm like, that's what. That's so God. God, I need you. I want you. I want you to do stuff in my life. I want you to show up in my life. I want you to touch my life. I want you to change my life. I want you to use me. God, I need you. He will always respond to that kind of a prayer. I always want to be the kind of person who says, Lord, I need you. And so if you want to prepare your heart for what only God can do, quiet your soul and humble yourself. And then... I could talk a bunch more on that, but I'll move on to the third one, and that is purify your heart. Purify your heart. It's interesting in Luke chapter 1 and verse 34, Mary says to the angel, You know, how can I have a baby? I have never known a man. Mary couldn't have been Mary if Mary wasn't purer, right? If there had been a doubt about her moral purity, she would not have been qualified to be the virgin to be the mother who bore Christ as a virgin so she was pure and 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 I want to quickly add you know to any of you you're thinking about this matter of moral purity and the importance of all kinds of purity and moral moral purity and that is to remind you that that we all depend not on our own perfect obedience to God right but we depend on Jesus perfect obedience to God and so you may have had some measure of moral failure. I almost don't know. I, know. I know very few people who could say they haven't had some measure of moral failure or impurity. But thanks be unto God, we don't stand before God based on our own never having lied, never having stolen, never having been proud, or never having been impure, but that Jesus was never proud, and Jesus was never impure. And we go before God, before the throne of God, and we say, and we plead the blood of Jesus Christ. But that should be reflected in our life, our growing purity. And God says that when when a person gives himself to him and he purifies that vessel, then that's a vessel Sanctified and prepared for every good work, prepared for the Master's use. That's what I want to be. And I really believe that if our tongue is impure, if our life is impure, we disqualify ourselves for the great works for the Master. And we don't want that. And so our tongue should be pure. And our secret thoughts should be purer. And our lives should be purer. Because we know this. You know this. And I know this. When we allow ourselves to be pulled into the sewer of our culture in any way, we are disqualifying ourselves to be serving the master who's looking for a pure people to serve him. And like Mary was pure. And so if you want God to do what only he can do, you want to prepare yourself, and if there's any impurity in your life, then just confess that. And start over and ask God to cleanse you and make you a vessel unto honor, cleanse, sanctified, meet for the master's use, prepared for every good work. Isn't that good? I think so. So there you have, you know, quiet your heart, quiet your soul, and w- w- then humble yourself, and, and then purify your heart another way of doing that is to is to have a a season of confession when was the last time you did that just had a time of confession just sit quietly before the lord and say is there anything in my life any words that i've used anything that i've said attitudes actions uh, motives that i need to ask your forgiveness for is there somebody i need to go to and seek their forgiveness and just have that, that that's you can actually almost like create a revival by obeying the Lord that way. And pretty soon your heart will be tender. You'll be humbled. You'll be, the tears will be flowing if you're a crying person. If you're not, you'll, you'll have the penitent heart. And that will please the Lord. And, and it will be good for you. And, and it's a good habit to get into. And um, it, it, you know, Maybe here's a, a, a diagnostic question for you. People that know you well. right? People that know you well. If I were to go to them, i us say that you gave me permission to do some diagnostic work with you and help you. And the people that know you well. If I, like your husband, your wife, your kids, your mom, your dad, your coworkers, if I went to them and I said to them, using your name, does, does so-and-so ever admit they're wrong, what would they say? Or, or if I said to them, when would tell me, when was the last time so-and-so came to you and just asked you to forgive them for a wrong or harsh or attitude or a wrong action or something that they did wrong? Here's another diagnostic question. I'll help you out. Maybe when you sit in church and you hear a message, do you think, dude, that guy needed that? <laughs> or do you think, mm, that's true about me? Or both? Yeah. Right. Just some thoughts to help you because I'm trying to help you. If you... If you want to prepare your heart to do what only God can do, you have to break up the fallow ground of your heart, prepare your heart for the seed, prepare the soil, just be real tender and broken and honest and open and say, God, I need you and, and I'm sinful and, 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 uh, and, and just be, be honest and, and open and, and, and that would purify your heart. But number four, deepen your faith. Deepen your faith. And this is... Much, much can be done by just simply saturating yourself with the, the, the truth, the statements of God in the Bible. In, that's huge. In the Bible, deep in your faith. You know, I love verse 37. Indeed, Elizabeth, your relatives conceived the son of her old age. This is now the sixth month for her who is called barren for with God nothing will be impossible. You believe him? You believe him, see? And that's a huge thing in the Scriptures. Deepen your faith. There's no question that God will still honor faith. The question is, will people still exercise faith? God hasn't changed, right? You know how we used to we'll say sometimes, man, used to have revivals. Pastors get together and kind of, you know, cry the blues. We well, used to have revivals. People would come out in big numbers Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night Thursday, night, Thursday night, Friday night. They didn't make excuses. They came, they were hungry for God. They used to have revivals. Can't do that anymore. People won't come out anymore. And pastors will say stuff like that, you know. Right? By the way, just a little aside, you know, I've talked to Tom Harmon this week and he's agreed to come this year to our church and, and to preach, and we're looking forward to Tom coming and, but but um, we look back when we say it used to be this and it used to be that. Well, like, okay, who what changed? Did God change? Does God decide he doesn't like to give revival anymore? Is God unwilling to bless? Is God unable to do what He used to do? Uh, What changed? Well, we changed. So, maybe God has moved the locus of church vitality to another nation, and we're under the judgment of God, and that's why we see what we see, and our results are so sparse. That's That's possible, right? But, and if that's true, and I, and I suspect that it is, wouldn't the God of heaven still look down on a humble cottage where a mother and a father knelt and prayed for God to bless them? If a mom wanted to raise her kids for the Lord, wouldn't God still hear her prayers? Even in a nation that's under God's judgment? I think I could take you to many places in the Bible where that happened, where there was a nation under the judgment of God, but there were faithful people who still prayed. There are faithful clusters of Christians and, or, or, or faithful God followers who still trusted God and still prayed. This is, the, this is the heart that we want to have. Deepen your faith. When I return to earth, will I find faith on the earth? Luke 18 and verse 8. And, and then there's a, a final thing. If you want to prepare your heart for what only God can do, quiet your soul, humble yourself, Purify your heart and confession and so forth. Deepen your faith. And then devote yourself to praise. That means saying good stuff about God. How much good stuff do you say about God? How often do you say good things about God? How often do you give Him praise? How often do you just say, him He's been good than me. A pastor did a survey in his church. A large church on the West Coast. And he did a survey, it was coming up to Thanksgiving, and so he did a scientific survey, kind of a moneyed church, and he did a scientific survey in the church in order to find out who were the most thankful people in the church. And it was interesting that the older people got that were following the Lord, the more likely they were to be thankful. So as their bodies wore out, and their finances ran out, and their faces wrinkled, and the aches came, I'm trying to have fun with you here. Yeah. They were more thankful. And the younger people were less thankful. Here's another thing they discovered in their church uh, the, the higher the income level, the less likely the person was to be spontaneously thankful. <laughs> Interesting. The higher the income level, which you would think you'd be like, praise the Lord, I got extra. The less likely, according to their survey in their church, the less likely they were to be thankful. So it's the poor old people <laughs> that were more likely to be thankful. Well, I like to be the guy that kind of breaks his head and like, God, I just want to be thankful and filled with praise. I want to get up, I want to go places when people see me coming, they're not going, Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, here he comes. You know, he's gonna be complaining about something. He's gonna be, you know, But rather, they're they're like, he's going to have a good word. You ever hear somebody greet, you remember the old guys in a barbershop used to say, so what's the good word today? Remember that? You you don't know because you're not old, but old guys in a barbershop used to do that. What's the good word today? It'd be like, tell me something good. you have something good to say? Well, yeah, you can always say something good if you talk about God. God, has he been good to you? Has he been faithful to you? Has he forgiven you? Don't you deserve to be in hell right now? and you have the good sense to be in church listening to preaching, uh, singing praises and thanking him and and you just we just went through Thanksgiving and probably most of us overate. I was a pretty good boy, but most of you probably overate, you know, and I I, I behaved pretty well, but that's because of I've had a, a a lot of sin to make up for there on that overeating thing, but we were blessed and we were given God. so you praise him and of course that's what you have here, right? I want to say, with with the Mary's praise, if you want to read something neat, read verses 46 through 55 when Mary just explodes in praise. It's beautiful. Who would want to be around a girl like that? That had such beautiful things to say. Isn't that something? Every once in a while i see a young girl waiting on me and something and I, want, I can't tell her because I'm a man and it would be weird, but I always want to say, I look at the girl and I think to myself, now you're going to think I'm weird when I tell you this, but you would be a lot prettier if you smiled. She would like, if you smiled, it wouldn't help. But, you know, I, I, I but I just look at the girl and I think, just a little smile would be, you know, girls, I know a lot, some girls, they buy all kinds of appliances and all kinds of potions and lotions and stuff in order to beautify themselves. And that's cool, you know. But you think just, you know, what a beautiful person you become, you know, when you have a a ready word of praise, men and women alike, just grateful, joyful, thankful, you know, filled with praise. This is Mary. Mary was a girl who, when, you know, they came around, she had this meeting, and then she's with, you know, with Elizabeth, and then she's like, boom, she has this gorgeous uh, uh, praise in in Luke chapter 1. Obviously there in this famous Magnificat, you know the song of Mary. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior. He's regarded the lowly estate of His made servant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. Can I get an amen there? He, the rich, that he has sent away empty, and he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. Wow. If you want to prepare your heart for what only God can do, then quiet your soul, purify your heart, deepen your faith, and devote yourself to praise. You know, can I just suggest that each of you in your duties this month, that you turn them into acts of worship or devotion or consecration or celebration, all the Christmas duties. You know, you're driving to work, and you have to fight that traffic or whatever. But it, it could be a, a time when you're, you're saying, thank you that I have a job. You, you could say, Lord, help these people around me. There was a football game yesterday, and one of the players was injured terribly. And this is a bitter rivalry. This is one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports, right? And one of the football players was terribly injured yesterday. His leg was broken. His ankle was broken. And his bitter rival, the quarterback of the other team, Devin Gardner, who's from Inkster, a Michigan quarterback, comes out on the field, and he lays his hand on the side of his face. It was my favorite part of the whole game to see that that gracious act. (laughs) Huh? He, he turned like an injury into a time when, when really millions of people, probably hundreds of thousands of people went, and they stopped. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't about a football game anymore. It was about two young boys that cared about each other. You, you can sanctify whatever you do if you choose to do that kind of thing. Um, when you're driving to work, when you're lighting the lights, and you're and you know how that's a hassle. They're all tangled and most of them don't work. And you know, you're you're learning new cuss words at that point, you know, and or you're preparing meals and you maybe feel unappreciated, or you're choosing, or you're making gifts for people, or you're writing notes or cards, or you're attending services, or maybe you're helping to to do the services. I, I, I got home last night. And I wasn't really going to eat, but I look in the fridge anyway. You ever do that? You just look in the fridge for what you're not going to eat? I kind of look in there. I do that. And I'm always wrestling. I looked in the fridge and I thought, oh, wow. Lois makes this, like, amazing pumpkin roll. It's amazing. And she made a couple. How many did you make? Two? Yeah. They were gone. Except one slice, which I ate half of. One slice left of the pumpkin roll, okay? And there was this huge turkey on our table, and there was a little bag left, and there was a big bunch of party potatoes, and there was a little bowl left of them. And I looked in the fridge, and I thought, those boys came home, and they cleaned house. They really did. They you were, know, they're living alone Oregon, and they just came home, and they just ate everything And it made my heart so glad. I just looked at that and I said, hey, Lois, the guys really ate the stuff, didn't they? She said, yeah, they did. I could tell. Made her happy. You ladies know what I'm talking about, right? They enjoy the food. And a little Thanksgiving trickles in. Hey, what a wonderful Thanksgiving we had. How it must make our father feel when we stop and we say to him, I'm grateful for what you gave me. I'm going to give you praise today. I'm going to give you praise every day. I'm going to tell everybody to know how wonderful that you are. Don't you think that'd help prepare your heart for what God, only God can do? Hey, I heard this interesting story about a woman who's going through a really hard time in her life, and her husband left her after 15 years of marriage, and they have two boys. Her husband left her, and she was doing okay until Christmas Eve, and then he was going to take the boys, and she's going to be alone, and so she's going to be alone for the first time on Christmas Eve. Her boys were gone, so she stood there and she watched her boys drive away with their dad, and her heart was just broken. She went back into her house, and there was a and the cat was playing with with something stuck to the cat's paw. Couldn't get it off. The cat was literally just kind of like wallowing around the floor trying to get this thing off of its paw, and she felt bad for the cat. I know what you're thinking. You're like, Pastor, where is this going? Trust me, I'm a professional here. Yeah. So the cat's got this thing stuck to his paw and she comes over and she gets it off. And what it is, is it's a little card from her pastor. She had a bunch of Christmas cards that she always taped to the door, but this one had fallen on the floor. Only that one, it was a little one and the cat couldn't get it off his paw and the cat was just literally whirling around the floor. And so finally she got the cat to stop and she got the little card off and she stood there and she looked at it and the card had a little picture of the baby Jesus just a little white card with a little picture of baby Jesus. That's all it was. And when you open it up, it just said Luke 1, 37. And she said, Phew. she was in no mood for Christmas cards. And she was in no mood for Bible verses. And she said, a pastor came over last summer. was going through trouble with my husband. And he put a Bible in my box. said, just read it 15 minutes a day. She put it in the bottom of the box. She didn't read it. And she didn't look up the Bible verse either. It was just stuck on the wall until the cat got it down. She didn't want to stay alone in the house, so she decided that she'd go for a walk. She lived in Minneapolis. So she didn't realize how cold it was outside, and she went for a walk. And she hadn't been walking very far, and she really began to feel extreme cold. And she was a little bit far from home. And even though it was Christmas Eve, late in the afternoon on Christmas Eve, she noticed there was a little boutique that was open. And she decided that she would just duck into that boutique so that she wouldn't have frostbite in her hands. And she stepped in, and it was just a beautiful place, beautiful lights and smells. And there was a woman that was there that was very kind, and she gave her something to drink there and, and uh, some tea. And, and then she was talking, and she said, can I interest you in anything? And she says, well, I, to be honest, I just was kind of getting in out of the cold. And, and she lied and said, and there was so much noise at the house with the children and all that I just needed to get away. There were no children. And so she said, while she stood there, the lady said, we got this in today. It's beautiful. You might be interested in it. She said, it must have a story behind it. She said, I, when I read it, she said, I thought it was really unique, and I, I, I thought it was maybe from the Bible. So I called my business partner, because she has a Bible at home, and I asked her, would you look this up? Is this from the Bible somewhere? And my business partner said, yeah, it's from the Bible. It's from Luke chapter one and verse 37, "With God, all things will be are possible. Nothing is impossible with God." The woman began to tremble, and she bought it. And she took it home to her apartment, and she hung it in her apartment and was comforted by her cat and by her pastor <laughs> and by the Bible. Even the simplest little piece of the Bible. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible.